Good morning. So glad you decided to join us today. My name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, in the year of 2016, we're working our way through the Gospel of Matthew, and we're learning together how to be a follower of Jesus and how to pass that on to a few other people. And so if you want to join us on the journey and you want to stumble along with us and learn and, and fall and get back up, uh, you're invited along on the journey today. But we're, So you've picked a great day to be here. We're really jumping into the meat of what Matthew says about following Jesus so if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 3. Aaron read you the passage we're going to be looking at this morning. But today, what I want to do is talk to you about what is in this passage, the voice from heaven, and what the voice from heaven says about you. Now, I was thinking about, you know, who's going to be in the room today, and who's going to hear this, and uh, I realized there's just a whole gamut of people. I mean, there are people who feel like they're never enough. There are people who feel like they're left behind all the time. There are people who feel like they have it all together and they're a little bit better than everybody else. There are people who feel that they have no more to learn and so they show up in a room like this and they think they've got all the answers and so they're kind of saying, you know, impress me in a sense. Um, There are people in this room who are pretty sure that God is disappointed in you. There are people in this room who are disappointed in yourself and you wish you could be a better version and you just don't even know how to do it. And then I know there are people who are here who are incredibly successful but the thing chasing your success are the demons from your past. So I know the whole gamut's here, but I I know something about you uh, because it's true of every person. I know that you have some voice somewhere telling you something. Now, I'm not not saying you're hearing voices. I'm not not saying that. Maybe you are. I don't know. (laughs) But what I am saying is that you have some voice. It might be a loud voice. It might be a quiet voice. It might be an infrequent voice. It might be a voice that you can never get away from, but you have some voice that is trying to tell you who you are. So I I have a a question to begin our time together. Who do you think you are exactly? How do you know that's true? Um, In some ways, if you could answer that question, that would kind of answer all the other questions. You get the answer right. Life is good. You get the answer wrong. Life is full of pain and hurt more so than what life would naturally just bring to us. So what I want to do this morning is I want to tell you what the voice from heaven says. Before we do that, I want to pray for our time together, and then we'll jump into this together. Would you pray? God, I pray that, um, like happened uh, for you on that, that day beside the Jordan River, that heaven would open today, that we would sense in a way we can't put into words or can't give a reason for your spirit descending into this place, and that we would hear what the voice from heaven says about each of us. So we ask for that in your name. We pray it, Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> this week I put out a, uh, a poll on Facebook, and I said, hey, I'm going to be talking about this subject today, and I'd love your opinion. Uh, one to ten, one being the worst, ten being the best. How successful were your parents at giving you a, a sense of who you are that stays with you today? And so I got the whole gamut of response, and people saying one, and some people saying nine, some people saying ten. And I wanted to read you a couple of the responses. One was from uh, a girl who's part of our church, great, great person. She said uh, that her parents were a nine. You know, my parents did great. That's what she said. Uh, My dad told me I was pretty smart and kind since as long as I can remember, he would often tell me how special and important I am. My mom helped me understand who I was as a leader and raised me with Jesus in my heart. And if you knew her, you would would say, wow, I, I, I can see how what your parents, the voice of your parents in your life has impacted you and made you in some ways, the person that you are. <clears throat> I, uh, someone private messaged me 
and say, you know, I didn't want to put this there, but I, and here's my story, and uh, read it, and I said, man, this would help so many people. Could I, could I share this? She said, yeah. I want to read you what she said. She said the exact opposite, a one. <clears throat> Maybe my m- mom was a one because I definitely did not want to be like my mother. She put such an emphasis on looks and was so two-faced it hurt. We had to love her. Everything had to be done her way and to what she thought was her perfection or we would be in big trouble. She made sure of that. To this day, I hate to look in the mirror. And if you met this woman, you would wonder why. About six months before she died, I went over to her house, as always, in the morning. My friend and I had been walking, watching what we ate, and I felt pretty good and actually had lost almost 25 pounds. I walked into her bedroom and said, good morning, Mom. And she said to me, my You were looking real fat and ugly today. And it wasn't just because she was hurting. That was the type of person that she was. Now, I I tell you that to tell you that the voices that we listen to, that say things about us and to us, they matter. Now, we're going all the way through uh, Matthew in Matthew chapter 3. We're tiling this this series about Matthew chapter 3 and awake life. And it's really, the idea is very simple. You're either... You either live awake or you live asleep. When you're awake, you're aware. You know, all of your senses are there. You can smell things and see things and hear things and touch things. and ta- you're, you're aware of the, your surroundings and you're alive to them. On the other hand, you can be asleep and be asleep. You can have all kinds of wonderful things going on around you. You could have words said to you that are blessing you. You could have uh, great experiences happening around you. But because you're asleep, you completely miss out on what those things are. And so you're either living and awake life, or you're living a dead life. Those are two approaches to life. In fact, there's a, a true story. A woman uh, was in a nursing home, an elderly woman. She fell asleep, and apparently really fell asleep, <clears throat> so much so that they thought that she had died, and so they put her, um, coroner came, got her body, took her to the funeral home where she woke up <laughs> and then had a heart attack and died <laughs> because she woke up at the funeral home, Right? Right, but all kinds of things can happen to you. You can be taken places you never meant to go if you're living asleep. Now, here's, here's what I'm trying to say. The central idea is that an awake life comes from hearing a voice, right? It's the voice that wakes you up, right? My, my son is now 11. He's moving into middle school age, and he's just now, for the first time, we're having to go down in the morning and say, wake up! It's time to get up! He's got the five more minutes, just five. You know, if you raise a teenager, you know what I'm talking about, right? You got to hear the, vo- the voice has to wake, the voice has to wake you up. And what I want to say to you this morning is there's a voice from heaven that if you listen to it, will wake you up and change how you experience life. So here's this passage, and Jesus hears this voice from heaven. Now, Matthew chapter 3 is the story of, of Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was this kind of unusual figure. Uh, he wore, the Bible says he wore basically sackcloth and he ate locusts, grasshoppers, and wild honey. This is not your average, everyday guy. And he basically uh, said the same message that Matthew says that Jesus uh, gave, which was, repent, change your mind. The kingdom of heaven, or God's kingdom, is now available to you. And that was his message. And it was so uh, attractive. He was such an unusual figure. Uh, He lived outside the city, and and people would come out to him, and they would want to hear what he had to say about God. Because people felt like maybe this guy has the answer and I can get a fresh start with my life from what he has to say. And he would baptize people in the Jordan River there where he was and they would begin their life with God in their life. Well, he was so popular that the religious leaders wanted to make sure that he was on the up and up and he was saying the right things and so they wanted to make sure 
they could also manage what he said and that people weren't being led astray. And so the, the religious leaders, the pastors, the theologians, the, uh, the, the school administrators, uh, they went out there and they listened to what he had to say. And he, when John sees them coming, he's very welcoming and warm and fuzzy. And he said, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. I mean, I think that's what he sounded like. I don't, I don't know. And he said, basically, he said, listen, you've got to produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and you're not doing it. He basically called them out. And they, uh, they, they, he wouldn't, they wouldn't be baptized by John. He felt like, you know, his baptism wasn't worthy. They weren't worthy of his baptism. And then all of a sudden, his cousin, who he's known all of his life, shows up. Now, <clears throat> one of the themes in Matthew's gospel is that Jesus is the Son of God. He's divine. Now, one of the ways you can prove that someone is divine is if their family says that they're divine, right? Anyone in your family say that you're divine? Anyone that knows all your junk, right? Nobody, right? But his cousin shows up and says, this is the man whose un sandals I'm unworthy to untie. And Jesus shows up to John and, and says, John, I want you to baptize me. And, and the scripture says right there that John tried to deter him. Now, when you think of that, you might think of, you know, we should go to lunch with somebody and they offer to buy your lunch and you, you tried to deter them, and you go, oh, no, let me. Like this little game we play, right? Not like that. It was, John no, no, uh-uh, no, you cannot do this. And so Jesus convinces him. He goes Nike on him and says, listen, just do it, John. Just do it. So he baptizes Jesus, and then there's this kind of, I want to talk to you about today, this kind of mystical experience. I don't know what it was exactly like. I don't know what you would have seen if you had been there. But Matthew says that the heavens were opened and that the spirit, like a dove, he's trying to describe something he didn't have words for, descends and rests on Jesus. And this voice from heaven says, this is my son who I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, <clears throat> when you're studying the Bible, there's these things called commentaries. These scholars who study the Bible and uh, they write these things called commentaries. You can get a commentary on any book of the Bible. There are multiple commentaries that are written. And when you read the commentaries on Matthew and this passage, what the scholars say is that this was uh, the moment that Jesus was letting people know that God was still speaking. There had been a 400-year period where the, God's people, the Israelites, felt like they had not heard from God. And this is the moment when God begins to speak again. And this, this represents the, the beginning or the inauguration of Jesus' ministry. Now, that's all great, right? I mean, that's neat. That's cool. I'll tell you what I read this. I'll tell you what I want to hear. I want to know what that voice from heaven says about me. I, I want to know if I'm going to make it. I mean, some days I wonder. I get up and I go, am I going to make it? I'm, what, what's, what's true about me? What's not true? Am I, am I living the right things? I mean, what, I want to know those kinds of things. And this voice from heaven told Jesus who he was. Now, we listen to, again, I, we, we all hear these voices in some sense, right, telling us who we are, and I want to tell you what I think are three voices that we listen to that I would say they're the wrong voice. They'll, if you listen to them, it's nice, but they're not going to wake you up. You're going to still live asleep in some way, shape, form, or fashion if you're listening to these voices on the regular basis. And, and here's what I would tell you is, are the wrong voices, and here's the first one. It's the voice that says that you are what you do. Uh, <clears throat> when uh, often people will come and they'll come as a pastor, they'll come and they'll say, you know, I, I, need, I need to talk to somebody. And so I, I do some counseling with them and <clears throat> invariably they'll tell me their problem and, and I'll say something along the lines of, well, tell me, uh, tell me who you are. Almost without fail, uh, what the person will do is they will say, they'll give me a list of the things that they do. I, I ask them who they are and they give me what they do. 
Well, I'm, I'm a dad, and uh, I work at the mill, and uh, I'm, I'm a good son. What they're trying to say is, here's the good things about my life that prove that I'm okay, and I'm those things. And so I'll, I'll go back, and I'll say, no, no, I, I'm not asking you what you do. I'm asking you who you are, because at some point, what you do will no longer be the things you're able to do, and who will you be when you can no longer do those things? Uh, there will come a day, if you're a mom, that you're not a mom like you are now. Your kids won't rely on you. They'll move out of the house. They'll be gone, and they won't need you the way that they need you now. Who will you be then? If that's your identity, is I'm a mom, who will you be then? Who will you be when that happens? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do anything. I mean, part of our self-worth comes from being able to contribute things. But, but we wrap ourselves around this question, I am the things that I do. Uh, I would even say this is why, you know, we talk about our mother-in-law and how we don't, you know, our mother, oh, my mother-in-law. Uh, how many of you love your mother-in-law? Just show of hands. Just like, okay, a couple, couple people, good, way to go. <clears throat> isn't that whole thing, though, isn't it from that we have a, a, a woman <clears throat> that we feel like can't stop being a mom? She's in some way wrapped herself up in her identity in being a mom and doing what a mom does and she can't stop it when she's around you and you're like, please stop already, all right? Uh, later today in the Super Bowl, I don't know who's going to win. <clears throat> I don't know what's going to happen. If it's a close game, it'll probably come down to a play. You know, someone will, uh, will drop a pass or someone will score a touchdown. And that person, let's just say someone drops a pass and they, it's a close game and they lose the game. You know what that person will always be remembered for? They will not be remembered for the kind of husband that they were. They will not be remembered for the kind of dad that they are. They will not be remembered for the kind of character that they have. You know what they'll remember, get remembered for? That's the guy that dropped the ball in Super Bowl 50. <laughs> right? right? We, we believe that we are what we do. And it's the wrong voice. Here's one of the other wrong voices. It says this. It says, you are what you have. Now, we measure ourselves by the things that we possess, and we, we do that physically, you know, if we have the right kind of house or the right kind of truck or the right kind of clothes or we look a certain way that we're supposed to, we think we're supposed to look, we kind of measure ourselves and say, that's how valuable I am. Look at, look at me. Uh, Jesus said it this way. He said, uh, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. In fact, what would it benefit you if you gained the whole world and lost your soul? In other words, you won't find your value and your worth from the things that you have, the, the physical possessions that you have. You could say it to you like this, right? A man's life does not consist in the kind of truck that he drives. What would it profit you if you gained a Ford F-350 but lost your soul? And have you ever realized that every group is different about how uh, we talk about the things that we value? Uh, my mother uh, grew up in Nady, Arkansas. It's a little teeny town in southeastern Arkansas near the border of Louisiana. And you, you don't go to Nady, uh, Arkansas, unless you mean to go to Nady, Arkansas. No one accidentally ends up in Nady, Arkansas, because there's nothing in Nady, Arkansas. All there is is my, my granddaddy's farm that my aunt now lives on. And uh, there's down around the corner from that is, was the Wild Goose Stop, the, the one store in Nady, Arkansas, where all the farmers would come and sit and shoot the breeze at 4.30 in the morning and go out to their fields and do their work. And that was, that was it. Like, and I remember the first time, at least that I could remember, driving into the country like that where my mom grew up. And we were driving down you know, these country roads and this other car's coming at us. And I look over and the guy is on the steering wheel. You know, if you've been in the country, you know what I'm talking about. He does this. 
And I went, Mom, why did that guy do that? And she said, well, he's just being friendly. And, and then every car that we came past, the guy would go, something like that. And I, I, it was a game. I, I thought that was the coolest because we lived in the city. People don't do that in the city. They use a different finger, but it's a different, <laughs> right? It's a different thing. And, and so I'm driving down. I'm driving down. I'm, every car, I'm like, yeah, doing the wave thing, thinking it's the greatest thing ever. And, and when you lived in Nady, Arkansas, you know what you valued? You valued the fact that you had overalls and you had a pickup truck and you had a gun rack in the back and you had a, you could bat, you talk about the deer that you bagged that year. That was what was important. That was the possessions that people said, if you have those things, then you're important. If you drove in one of those trucks from Nady, Arkansas, wearing your overalls with the, the gun, the deer rifle in the back window, like they do in Nady, Arkansas, to Chicago's Gold Coast, Man, they would laugh at you. Look at that hillbilly. Look what he's wearing. Why isn't he driving a Bentley and wearing fur? <laughs> you know, every group does that, right? We have one thing. So they value something different on the Gold Coast of Chicago than they do in Nady, Arkansas, than they do in Portage, Indiana. See, it's all, it's all, we all have these little ways we, we say you are what you have, right? We think if you have these physical possessions that you're somebody, you're the, you're the right person. Or we, we talk about money. We talk about how much Money we have is though, that, that somehow defines us. Listen, you're not a bad person if there's no money in your bank account. On the other hand, you're not a good person if there's lots of money in your bank account. I know greedy rich people and generous poor people, and I know greedy poor people and generous rich people. It, it's, the money has nothing to do with it. But you're not, you're not those things. Jim Carrey said it this way. He said, he said, I wish everyone could get all the money they ever wanted, and then they would learn that it's not enough. So you're not what you have. We, we even collect experiences, and we collect places that we've been and, and successes, and, you know, that we, that's a kind of a new coinage we collect in our culture because it's a way for us to say, listen, I've been here. I've been there. I've been skydiving. I've been bungee jumping. I've been snowboarding. I've been, you know, I've done all those things. Look at me. Look how great I am. But you're not what you have. See, you listen to that voice too long. It's the wrong voice. You're not what you have. And you're also, you're, you, you, uh, this is the other wrong voice, is you are what people say about you. This is about people's opinion. You know, you want people to think the right thing of you, and so you look a certain way so that people will say the right thing about you, or you don't say something so that someone says the right thing about you or has the right opinion of you. You know, we even have this phrase for this whole uh, idea that we think we are what people say about us. We say, what will the neighbors think? <laughs> you might not even know your neighbors, but you're worried about what they think. Dave Ramsey says that we're the only people who buy, spend money to buy things to impress people we'll never know. <laughs> right? We, we do that, right? Because we believe that we are what people say about us. But see, these are all the wrong voices. These are voices that, that won't wake you up. They're not loud enough to wake you up. Now, now listen, I, I need to tell you, there's, there's no voice, humanly speaking, that will fully wake you up. I, I try to do this, this uh, voice, what Jesus heard. I try to say this same message to my kids and I've said it since they were little, and if you've heard me, I've been here, I, you've heard me talk about how I say this every day to them, I love you, you know, you're my son, you're my daughter, I love you, I'm pleased in you, I like you. If I could line up all the little boys in the whole world and pick anyone, which one would I pick? Me, Dad, you know, so like, they, they know what's coming. But I've realized that my voice is not strong enough, even my voice. It, it, listen, so many of you on that Facebook thing you put, you know, my parents didn't give me a good experience, and it was a one, and it was a zero, and it was awful, and you... 
it's our job as parents, if, even if we were given a bad experience, we, can, we don't have to pass that on. We can do it differently, and we can say different things to our kids, and you can change that. You're not stuck just because you got it that way. You don't have to give that on. You don't have to pass that on. You can make that stop with you. You really can. But you got to know that even your voice is not strong enough to fully wake up your kids. Because here's my 11-year-old. He's coming home, and he's disappointed in himself and how he performed at school or something happened. He's like, so mad at myself, and I, I hate myself. And I'm thinking, but no, I'm, I'm your dad. I'm the guy who tells you every day since you've been born that I love you. And you're, how, how, why is that not waking you up? See, he's, it's not my voice that's going to do it. It's going to be the voice from heaven. He's going to have to learn the voice from heaven. Now, listen, if, if those are the things, that, the voices that you listen to, you know, you are what you do, you are what you have, you are what people say about you, you'll pass that on to other people around you. Whatever you think is the voice you got to listen to, you'll pass it on, and it's how you'll judge people too. Well, they'll do what I do. Well, they don't have what I have. I mean, you know what they say about her. That's exactly what you'll do. But here's this voice from heaven. What, what's the voice from heaven say? It's different. The voice from heaven says this. It says, you are, you are the beloved. As Henry Nowen says it. You are, you are the beloved. Now think about this with me for a minute. This is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is before Jesus has done anything. This is before he's had any successes in ministry and healed people and and taught people, taught great crowds. This is before people have said anything good about him and how great he is. Before he hears any of those things, he hears the voice from heaven say, you are my beloved son. I love you. I'm pleased in you. Now, I asked you earlier, you know, what's the voice from heaven say about you? And for some of you, that created a a moment inside of you, and you you went, oh, man, I'm pretty sure God's disappointed in me. I don't want to hear what the voice from heaven says. I feel like I'm a failure, and I can never get it. In fact, I know that sometimes people will know things have happened in their past and they want forgiveness for it and, and they can hear the message that God forgives them but they can't forgive themselves and so they'll, they'll value their opinion higher than God's opinion and say, well, I can't forgive myself. I know God forgives me but I can't. And so they can't ever hear it and I need you to hear this. Listen, I need you to hear this. If you are struggling with that, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. It's done. You don't have to beat yourself up. It's, you're forgiven. You have to hear the voice from heaven. And what the voice from heaven says about you is that you are the beloved. Now, you need to understand that the voice from heaven says this to you because it says the same thing to you that was said to Jesus. Now, there's a, there's a theological reason for this. So let me get theological on you for a couple minutes. Uh, we, we believe that Jesus came as a baby into the world, uh, was born of the Virgin Mary, you know, incarnated, which means in the flesh. Jesus came and lived a, a sinless life that we couldn't live so that his cousin John says, man, I'm not unworthy to tie this guy's sandals. And he then goes to the cross and dies on the cross for the sins of mankind. We call that the atonement. Jesus atones for your sins and for my sins and then rises from the dead to say, I can give you new life. Not only can I pay for your sins, but I can give you a fresh start and I can give you a do-over. I'd be dead. And so what happens, what, what Christians understand happens on the cross is that Jesus takes our record and gives us his record. There's, a, there's an exchange that happens. We call it the substitution. Jesus is our substitute on the cross. He dies for our sins and gives us his perfect record. There's this exchange that happens. And so not only does God say good things about us now and says, now you're my, you're my beloved son. I love you. I'm pleased in you. But then God begins to give us the resources to live our life in a different way. He changes us. Now, that's great. You can think about that a lot, I, I, but I want to make that more concrete for you. So I, I had my friend Brian, um, before the service, write down a list of things. Brian, will you come up here? 
I had my friend Brian write down a list of things on a piece of paper uh, of regrets and failures and mistakes and attempts to make things right in his life. And so, Brian, you got on a list of paper, right? No one's going to see this. I want you to rip that up. Will you rip that all the way up? Because no one wants to walk around with all that stuff. So let's rip that up. Put that in here. I'm going to take what you have. And I did this earlier, and the, the place didn't burn down. So just, just hang with me, all right? <laughs> I promise. We're going we're gonna to put this over here, and we're going to let that... I'm going to put this I'm going to put this far away cuz you don't want to deal with this anymore, right? So let's just put that as far away from us as we can. If that catches on fire, you guys put that out. Okay, we're good. <laughs> and there's an exchange though that happens, right? So you get instead of instead of what what you had, you you get now what God has and so you get a, a message about who you are and then you get the resources to live a different life. So so there's there's a card it's that verse from Matthew, you're the beloved son. And then there you get, there's resources, though, too. So here's a check for $500. Yeah. So. <laughs> yep. Okay, so, see, what you need to understand, something real happens when you make that exchange. And so now, instead of hearing the other voices that say, well, you're what you do, or you're what you have, or you're what people say about you, you make an exchange, you change your junk. And not only do you get the message that you're somebody, you get the resources to live a different life. So here's, what do you need to do with this, right? We're going to talk for the next couple weeks about this, about how this makes you a bold person, and, and how this changes how you approach your life, and I want you to be here the next two weeks to hear about that. But it starts with you hearing the voice from heaven that says, you're my beloved daughter. I love you. I'm so pleased in you. See, that voice from heaven, that's what will change everything. See, if you were here last week, we said you've got to learn to repent. You've got to learn to change your mind, which means you say, okay, see, repentance is a joyful thing because you're changing your mind about something that wasn't working for something that is. And so you change it. You say, okay, I'm no longer going to listen to the voice that says I am what I do. Now, that voice may be out there. I'm not going to listen any longer to the voice that says, I am what I have. That voice is out there. I'm not going to listen to the voice anymore that says, uh, I am what people say about me. I know that voice is out there. I'm going to listen now to the voice that says, the voice from heaven that says, you're my son. I love you. I'm pleased in you. So I want to pray for you. And we're going to be done because I, I, want want I want that to change in your life. In 2016. Would you stand with me? And uh, you'll see people holding their hands out. But would, you, would you do this? It's just a way of receiving. I, I like to pray with my, my hands and my body, and it helps me bring my whole self into the equation. And if you would do that, let me, let me pray for you. God, thank you that your voice is louder than the other voices. Sometimes uh, we've listened to the voice that says we are what we do for so long, we don't know how we would listen to some different voice. So we hear the voice from heaven say, no, not that, you're my son. Uh, the voice that we hear sometimes tells us so loudly that we are the things that we have. And we've listened to it for so long, we don't know another voice. And so we want to hear your louder voice say, I love you. We've listened for so long to the voice that says, you are what people say about you. But we don't know how to hear a different voice. And so we want to hear the voice that says, I'm very pleased in you. So God, we, we repent, we change our mind about the voice we've been listening to, and we want to hear what the voice from heaven says about us.
and we want to receive it all the way down to our toes. We ask for this in your son's name. Amen. You're sitting out of love, God. Love people. Serve the world. Hug somebody. Tell them you love them. Our prayer team's down front if you need prayer.